Hey, this is Pastor Nate Cook, and you're listening to Pontificating Pastors, a podcast where we lock two pastors in a room and just let them talk about anything and everything. My friend Michael Pig is a church planner in San Marcos, Texas, and I'm a traditional church pastor here in Midwest City, Oklahoma. Today on the podcast, Michael and I get started talking about Christian memes on the internet, which gets us talking about Christian culture, our days as youth pastors, and all kinds of other crazy stuff. So we're just calling this one the one with the memes. And we hope you'll sit back and relax and enjoy this episode of Pontificating Pastors. Hey, Michael, how's it going this week? It's going well, Nate. How are you doing? Man, I'm doing wonderful. I have missed talking to you. It's been a little bit again. Yes, it has. Um, we've been, I, we've just been missing each other, I think. Um, busy yet different it's times. It's starting to become a busier time again. Well, in some ways, did it ever really get unbusy? It just became a different kind of busy, I, I think. Right. Um, you know, I, I think sometimes we negate uh, phone calls and Zoom calls and those kind of things because they're not face-to-face. But, um, you know, I think most of us, at least in ministry, we stayed busy during COVID. Um, people had more time to think about what they were, uh, you know, what they were dealing with and what they were facing. They faced a whole new set of problems, faced a whole new set of dilemmas. So... Uh, while I didn't have to spend the time traveling to and from things, so I think I got that time back. I don't know that I always redeemed it. Uh, I think a lot of times I just wasted that time. But uh, I, yeah, I, I do feel I, like I stayed. I, feel you there. I do feel like I stayed busy. I at least stayed tired. And I don't know if that's a de- yeah. if that's a depressed thing. Like not a you know I don't want to diminish the you know cl- clinical depression or anything like that. And people who struggle with that. But I think we all felt a little bit sad. A little bit lethargic no, yeah. for a while now. And I think I think it is a different kind of busy. It's not that we're busier. I just, what I would, should have said was I have more things like on my calendar than I did at the beginning of this pandemic. And I, I do think there's this kind of internal angst that's making people tired. I read uh, my dentist had posted an article about more people going to see the dentist for broken teeth because they're grinding their teeth while they're sleeping. Really? So it's like that stuff works itself out while we're sleeping. Mm, gosh. But but yeah, there is, I think there's just kind of this angst underneath everything, like this uh, constant, like, what's next? <laughs> this, this constant, like, yeah. a little bit of concern about, you know, every decision we make is potentially life, threatening life altering depending on you know sure just deciding whether we want to worship worship together um there's a lot of responsibility there and a lot of that comes uh on our shoulders so yeah yeah i think it's been a combination of my schedule getting a little more like things on the calendar and then our schedule just not matching up quite as much and everybody going back to school and all that stuff so um, I know there are things that happen with school that affect me. Like I drive to see my interns once a week now. And so, yeah, 
I've missed talking to you though. I uh, I did get to see your daughter this weekend. She's you know interning at our church and she comes to dinner or lunch or supper or whatever y'all call it where you're from. But um, <laughs> on, on Sundays, yeah, Sunday dinner. And she it's was watching the lunch, Cowboys with yeah. us. Yeah, she was watching the Cowboys with us and. Her commentary was about the Dallas Cowboy cheerleader show, <laughs> like making the team or something. Yes. As Tyler and I are watching the Dallas Cowboys with her, this is what she's most excited about. And even though I don't think there were cheerleaders present at the game this week, uh, she was very inspired by that show and even said that you used to watch it with her and Shelly a little bit, although she did say most of the time me and Mom watched it without Dad. Yeah, and they always watched it in the most inconvenient room. You know what I mean? Like like right in the middle of everything. Well, and they would try to move it around, but it I always seemed to need to be in the space that they were watching it in. Uh, so they'd watch it in the living yeah. room and it'd say, oh, you know, I kind of need to be in here. Um, <laughs> it's adjacent to the kitchen and I need to be in the kitchen or, or whatever, you know. Uh, and you can't help but pass through it when it's in the living room. So they moved it to the upstairs uh, kind of, we have a family space upstairs in the landing. With a super comfortable couch. Yeah, that's the. That's all I. We know. bought that couch. Shelly and I bought that couch at Mathis Brothers Furniture. There, where I forty. Yeah, still here. Yeah, I forty. Um, on you know on right there at the uh, the crossroads there, um, the northern crossroads I guess because there's also a southern crossroads, but uh, we're thirty five and. Uh, 44 meet but uh, or 240 meet but uh, we there in Oklahoma City we spent uh, you know all of our savings to buy a couch and a love seat because we wanted to own our own furniture we had perfectly good uh, hand-me-down furniture from friends and family uh, that uh, you know we had given a token price for but we needed we just needed we bought a new house and we needed to put some new furniture in that living room because it was all new and so we, we made a big decision, and we went and bought a couch and a love seat, and a day bed with a trundle for our guest bedroom because we'd never really had a guest bedroom before, or we'd never we'd always turned it into an office or a playroom or something. But uh, anyway, so that couch sits there in in that room, and they would go in there and they would watch. But inevitably, you know, the sound is traveling down the stairs, and they're laughing and they're talking, and then you want to know what's going on. And then I would get upstairs, yeah. and there's a bunch of well, cheerleaders on the screen. Michael, oh, yeah. 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 This picture of Michael with popcorn, like, yeah, no. totally engrossed no. on whether Liza was going to get picked or Suzelle or whoever. Yeah, I'm know. sorry. If you walk past any screen. <laughs> I don't know cheerleader names. Apparently, <laughs> apparently not. Liza and Suzelle. Suzelle. That's, what the heck? heck? And I don't know who Suzelle is, but if, she, if Suzelle was sitting at a table with... I used to go to church with a girl named Suzanne oh, yeah? when I was like a kid. Well, if she was sitting at a table and she from. was getting chastised by the Dallas Cowboys cheerleader leadership um, for uh, for not being able to do the dance or whatever, and she was crying, and you walk past the screen, whether you were interested or not, you stop and you just sort of stare like a train wreck is happening, and you think, wow, this means a great deal to that young lady. I'm not sure I why feel or like, how, but it does. I feel like you're trying to explain away. Like, this is like how guys say, I watched The Bachelor. 
Oh gosh, like, I can't stand. Well, if you saw if you saw the rose ceremony, you no. would be drawn. Oh in. gosh, no, I run, <laughs> I run when I see the rose ceremony. I'm like, no, I don't want I to know, see this, we, and I really don't want y'all watching it either. Please turn that not that I nonsense off. I think we off. watched it one season, and I was like, I'm out. That's all I can. I don't even. I mean, we watched like two or three episodes. I couldn't do it anymore. Oh yeah. I'm sorry. I just wanted to rise you today. I know you did. That's. What I do, I think. That's, I think I feel about I have the those gift, shows. Spiritual gift of sarcasm. <laughs> I think I feel about those shows, um, all of those that list of shows in there, uh, Big Brother, uh, those kind of things. Yeah, I've never God, seen it. I just like Shelly. It's just she's like this is such an interesting study in human behavior, <laughs> and I'm like, I don't. I think it's a study in is it? in manipulation. <laughs> I think that that yeah. it's the producers have figured out how to turn human beings into rats, and we put them in a cage with each other, and we watch them fight, and then we laugh about it and say, "Ha ha ha! Ancient Rome was a bunch of heathens who did terrible things to yeah. human beings," and we're doing the same thing, just like you know, it's a, our arena where we pit them against one another. But uh, she fe- the, the, she feels the same way about oh, about like if I watched like Breaking Bad or you know, some yeah. some show like that. Uh, she that's how she feels about those shows. She's like, "This is horrible. This is like the darkest." <laughs> you know, <laughs> she's so she's so. Uh, yeah, I can feel that. Yeah. No, the the thing that's funny is I I always think it's just it was genius. Whoever said, "Hey, let's create this version of TV. We call it, we'll call it reality TV." And instead of paying the Seinfeld actors a million dollars each an episode, an episode, four million dollars an episode, we'll just throw a million dollars at the end of it, and one person will win a million dollars. So we've just budgeted a whole season for a million dollars plus whatever we spend on all the activities, and and we were paying four million dollars an episode or however many for all the characters of Seinfeld and then friends like you say when you think about how much NBC during that time probably spent just in salary um, those were two epic shows um, and I think they were back to back at one point but man we I didn't even expect to go there on this podcast (laughs) so far but do you think that the advertisers ever say um, yeah you're not paying your cost in making this show is not nearly as much as making Seinfeld, so we're not paying that much for an ad. You think they ever say that? No, I, they might have tried, but I guarantee you they're like, we're getting just as many viewers, if not more, Yeah. because everybody likes to see the train wreck. Everybody loves to see the train wreck. <laughs> they're all staring at this thing. Oh, goodness gracious. Dude. Well, speaking of culture, I thought it'd be fun to talk a little bit about Christian culture today. And there's a whole different oh, kind of segment of culture. Like you mean like Christian Babylon B and and uh, oh yeah, and epic Christian memes and things like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's some there's some really funny stuff out there, and and really you know some people get. I remember I posted a Babylon B thing years ago, and someone got so offended, almost believing that this kind of satire was sinful. That was the word that was sacrilegious. Used. It's sacrilegious, Nate. Well, and for, at first, I think the person was actually tricked by it, so that made them on the defensive. They thought it was a real thing, um, and I think it was about Chris Tomlin writing 
hymns, uh, writing little, you know, choruses for old hymns and making all this kind of money. It was a, it was a sarcastic look at that. Yikes. And, yeah. uh, yeah, this person was really offended by that. But I actually sent you a meme this week. Ah, you did. It just hit hard <laughs> as a former youth pastor. Yeah, you did. So it has this this picture of Rabbit from Winnie the Pooh. Uh, it's like a big costumed rabbit like you would see like at a theme park, yeah, you know. Disney World or and, something. And it's hugging this, this looks like, a um, you know, a high school girl or something. And, and so on the high school girl's back, it's written student in the meme. And the rabbit is is the conference speaker they met yesterday, or I would say camp speaker camp. in our case. <laughs> camp speaker. That they just heard for one week, you know. And then overlooking on the side, watching this hugging, is Tigger. And the second half of the meme has Tigger looking at the camera. And Tigger is, is labeled as the youth leader who's been there every week for three years. <laughs> and, and how I would label that is, youth leader who's been preaching the exact same stuff <laughs> for three years yeah. and now yeah. one speaker at camp says it and all of a sudden it's the greatest thing oh, they've ever heard yeah. you ever have that happen to oh, you? oh absolutely this just this person changed my life they change changed they my changed life. my life we get home from camp and they stand up in front of the entire church and they say this camp speaker said things that transformed my life <laughs> And you're thinking to yourself, I preached the same thing a week before we left, or yeah. I've been hitting that theme for years now. Five yeah. years. <laughs> and you finally, you finally heard, it. heard it. We have posters in the in the youth room that say that same thing. Exactly the same thing. It, when I saw that meme, it, it just hit somewhere deep inside, man. It was like... This is the most true thing I've ever seen. You know, a lot of those we, memes don't get a whole lot of comments. They'll get a few comments here and there, but that meme got yeah. like a bunch of comments. A like it was like a people were just sounding off. It's like every youth pastor's, uh, you know, sounding off to this like it was a a mass, like it was a group session for counseling of ex youth pastors or youth pastors. Yeah, you know, it was it was a, it was. Therapy. They they got that one spot on and and I think one of the things that it made me think about was this idea of preaching and it's it's an interesting thing preaching because no matter what it is that you say it is heard through a filter and it's often I mean it's just an interesting look at human nature mm -hmm. because whether it's preaching, whether it's politics, whatever you want to talk about, when you get up and speak, people hear often what they want to hear. I remember one time I came down off the podium and I was, I was outside and talking to someone. They said, I loved it when you said this. And I started racking my brain and I was like, Did I say that? I, I never, I never said I that. I, said I had that. another person say to me one time, like you always say, and it was, it was some old like cliche. And I was like, you know, I never say that cliche because <laughs> I actually don't believe it to be I true. I don't agree with that cliche. I yeah. think that cliche is completely wrong. <laughs> so it's interesting how you can get up and deliver this message. And, and sometimes, man, you just feel like, man, this was a, I preached today. Like I just really felt the spirit moving. I was just in the zone. I feel like, man, that that sermon, by God's help, may have 
actually done some good. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it may have changed the world. Yeah. You ever think a sermon might change the world? And then you get off the platform, it's like people heard something completely different. Uh-huh. And you're like, and this is what this meme I think brought out. is like, you preach that same message over and over and over. Kid goes to camp and is listening to someone for the first time, hears it once, and is like, oh, life-changing. Life-changing. Because their analogy or the story they told was just so hard-hitting. And, you know, that that is the value of taking a kid to camp, um, getting a different perspective on the same thing, putting them in a situation where they're not distracted by the fact that uh, they sent a text that hasn't been responded to yet or has been responded to in a, you know, in whatever way that has... uh, either yeah. emotionally crush them or put them on a high and they're not thinking about yeah. a word you say. Uh, they're thinking about the kid that's right. sitting in front of them or, you know, whatever. And so, uh, I mean, it is the value of camp and we do it, but it's still, it's, you're right. It stings. Cause you're like, oh, I, what am I, am I, what's the point here? Like what if, <laughs> and I think that's why so many, so, so much of youth ministry has become uh, one event after another, you know, oh, because yeah. you get so much, you seems to, to get so much more, out of it, My at least, or, yeah. at least you get, um, you get responses that seem like there's so much more. It's so much more emotive. There's so much uh, response to those to those events. Um, and whenever it's like you know, uh, during COVID, s- several of us hadn't seen each other the entire time. You know, some families didn't get on a Zoom call once. Or if they did, we didn't see their kids. And then you see, you come back from COVID and somebody's kid has grown up. Like, Judah has gained right. inches and Jonah has gained inches. And um, J- Judah's gained inches height-wise and Jonah's bulked up muscular. And uh, and then little kids who were, you know, barely talking when we, when we saw them last in February are now like full sentences and they're, you know, clearer speech and, and they're taller and their faces are thinner and they've all had haircuts or not had a haircut since. And there's so many guys with beards and we're just seeing each other. And But when you see it happening day after day, when you're in the same place as somebody, you don't notice their growth. But then um, when you don't see them for a while, all of a sudden you go, wow, you really grew up. You really changed. Um, and I think that's the kind of thing that, that – that really motivates us is those big leaps, and uh, we're not really oh, yeah. we're really not good at, at discipleship in the mundane sometimes because it's so mundane, and uh, so I think we long right. we long for those spiritual highs, camp high. I also think that it's amazing how when we purposefully gather to get rid of some distractions and we go somewhere kind of the pilgrimage aspect of camp. oh absolutely and, and we intentionally gather for the purpose of seeking god through worship and prayer yeah. and all the things that maybe we don't do on a daily basis um maybe we're more attentive to hear that word sure. so there's all kinds of factors there i just thought it was a funny one oh, it's so it's because so good. it was uh it was right on point yeah. Um, do you have any other funny uh, youth group memes or any uh, church memes you've seen recently? Oh, my goodness. Um, sometimes, Nate, can I be honest, I have to take a break from those sort of things because they tend to be somewhat cynical, and I'm, I don't need help with cynicism. 
Like, I was going to say, I live there, so maybe I'm, that's why I like them. I'm really good at, at cynicism uh, without without any help. So I, I was tuned into Babylon B for a long time, um, and uh, and then I took a break from it because I just uh, yeah I, I had to I had to back away because I get to the point where because um, we we do live in a uh, like a a deconstructionist time where everybody's deconstructing everything and it right. tends to be so uh, negative um, all the things right. that we did wrong and I think that we do that. Um, and especially right now in this hot political climate, we have to deconstruct everything because we're trying to establish some kind of credential, right? Like, I know that what I'm saying is true because I've done the hard work and I've researched everybody and I've looked back 17 years in everybody's Twitter feed. What do you mean? Twitter didn't exist 17 <laughs> years ago. Well, I've, ex you know, but I went back to their Zanga page um, so that I could, you know, evaluate them and know across the board uh, and be certain that they are a horrible person before I told everybody in the world that they are a horrible person on a platform that, you know, that breeds that kind of thinking. Um, and so I had to, yeah. I kind of had to back off because I, because I get real negative in the deconstruction too. Um, and I start, you know, I start harping on the church and I start harping on the political system. And then, you know, so I had to back off a little bit, but, uh, recently I've kind of jumped back on, um, at least a, a little bit. And I appreciated the, the, I, I appreciate epic Christian memes and those sort of things. Uh, but, uh, to say that I remember one right off the bat, I don't think I could. So I am actually looking some up while, um, I saw another one. It said youth pastor on the first Sunday, and it had Shia LaBeouf in a suit with his hair cut real short. And then uh, it said youth pastor on the 91st Sunday, and it was Shia LaBeouf in like a hoodie. And you know how he's kind of let all his hair grow out and beard. and <laughs> You know, because when the youth pastor shows up, I was, I'm guilty. I remember I went to Fort Worth first, you know, first Sunday is like slacks and tie and everything. And then I remember going to West Texas, uh, district assembly and I was wearing flip flops and jeans and a shirt I got from the thrift store. And, uh, someone in the church, like offered to <laughs> buy me new clothes <laughs> I don't know if I'm allowed to say that uh, out loud, but they offered to buy me new clothes because my clothes were so bad, apparently. I thought it looked really good, by the way. And Paula did, too, so that's all that matters. But. Yeah, no, it's kind of... Uh, we're... We're expected to... Um, I remember I, I wore a suit and a tie uh, once to church, and somebody said, do you really think that teens are going to relate to you if you're wearing a suit and tie? You can't, it, right. so, on, and on the other hand, I had an older fellow who said, you know, Michael, I think people would take you more seriously if you'd wear a suit and tie. And this is the same congregation. And, you know, I'm thinking, right. I don't know how to respond to all this. Um, yeah, because I kind of, it makes you want to kind of point and call the name out of the person who said I shouldn't, and then tell the person who said, you know, you shouldn't about the guy who asked you why don't why you don't. But I, instead, I just told that old man. And say, hey, you guys go talk to each other. Yeah, yeah y'all should get together and you just, decide what I'm supposed to do because you probably understand my life better than I do. Um, and, isn't that isn't that funny? <laughs> it really is. Like, yeah, 
But the fact that you should decide what I what my wardrobe is anyway. <laughs> yeah, like you. So my right now, yeah. I love I love COVID because not in general, but I love that I'm preaching in shorts. Well, sure. What were you gonna say? I was gonna say, um, I just responded to the older fella. I said, I tell you what, when you get baptized, I'll wear a suit and tie. And uh, there you go. Yeah, and that Easter he got baptized, and I wore a suit and tie. <laughs> There you go. But uh, it was just, you know, there's somebody's always got a, a thing going on, and they think that this is the way it should be or shouldn't be. And generally speaking, it's within the same congregation. So some of these Christian memes, it's funny because... You kind of got to be in the inner circle to get some of them, right? And so I'm not sure yeah. that everybody gets yeah. them. Uh, and so uh, then what happens is is that I my cynicism then becomes an arrogance that I have to be very careful about. But uh, uh, Or you have to understand meme culture because some of the memes I don't get because I don't get memes. Like I don't know there's a whole bunch of oh, these other memes that mean something. Sometimes yeah. I have there's to. There's a whole meme culture. I Sometimes I have to ask Maggie to explain them to me. Yeah, me too. I'll ask my kids, like, so uh, what does that mean mean? I don't even get it. Yeah. And they'll be like, it's this. <laughs> or sometimes they'll be like, you don't really want to know. Yeah, that's not appropriate, Dad. <laughs> you, yeah. The. Um... Oh, okay. Yeah. Didn't know All right, that. fine. I won't. Um, <laughs> there, you know, I, there, there's one I'm looking at right now, and it's got a guy with his arm around uh, another guy, and it says, this is me, and this is Jesus. And then in the background, there is a there is a lightning bolt striking an active volcano. And then it says 2020. Me and Jesus are cool, but 2020 is blowing up in the background. So it's terrible. Yeah. yeah. So Angel says to, a, Angel, I, Angel says to God, "We got a left. We got leftover clay." God says, "Just mash it all together." Angel says, "For real? LOL." God says, "LOL." And then there's a picture of a platypus. <laughs> like, like yeah I, I can appreciate i can appreciate those kind of memes because they're just silly and fun and i think a lot of people think that that's sacrilegious but I, it's interesting to me how um like when you look in the comments they comedy really is therapy uh to a lot of yeah for sure uh, to a lot of folks um and you know the the discontinuity or the incontinuities of uh of doctrine and theologies um, and the swirling mess of, of pluralism uh, that we face kind of you know sometimes we just have to say things out loud and laugh about them I think our I think our comics in a lot of ways have become our uh, prophets you know they get to say things and say well it was just a joke but it really wasn't a joke it was very prophetic or it was it was about social justice or things of that nature so I think that I think yeah. humor becomes an important part, um, and and then you have the really dark ones, like the one I'm looking at right now that says, after spending five minutes at VBS and the person is dialing Anakin Skywalker. That's just horrible. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. That's terrible. Yes, I saw because yeah. Anakin Skywalker went off on a bunch of children. Yes, he did. He, he killed younglings. Yes. I, here's one that says he killed younglings. That says me, um, you know me colon, post a fun meme about wearing masks, and then it says my comment section 
colon, and it is a picture of a row of porta potties on fire, like a blazing inferno. <laughs> This is, because this is how I feel. The, yes, the mass thing just went crazy. Yeah, that, which we did a we did a podcast about masks, and I didn't get a bunch of like feedback, positive or negative. Maybe nobody listened to they it. They may not have. I didn't get a yeah. I didn't get a bunch of like people upset. What did you name that? We one? talked. Did about you name masks. that one the one about wearing the masks? one about masks? Oh, then that's what nobody wanted to know. They were like, "Yeah, we're not listening to that." Um, <laughs> the this is this Sunday, a young lady walked up to me after service and said um i have never heard a pastor talk that way and uh and immediately my the vision of a row of were you talking about circumcision again? no 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 circumcision no again? i didn't i did say oh, okay. penis in the middle of a sermon the other day and my yeah. my staff all started texting me immediately during the sermon to say ah you said penis in a sermon um, but uh, it was important. I mean, I was talking about Abraham, and you know, if you're gonna just talk about, yeah. you know, anyway, I probably got too graphic. I was trying not to. I was trying to keep it, you know. But I was trying to explain why this, why this even made sense. Like, how was this, a, you know, something that, uh, that would be a symbol of the covenant? Like, that's a crazy thing to right. symbolize a covenant. But if you try to use your penis yeah. to create. A, a community for yourself, or or you try to you know dominate the world with it. Then you know when he when he slept with his maid servant rather than trusting God to help him impregnate his own wife. Uh, you know God said, well you know you tries to you try to use that to fulfill my promises. So I'm going to need the tip of it. You know, and so that's that was basically the commentary that I was making, and um, and people thought you know my staff thought it was. They were like, oh my goodness, I can't believe you said that. But not a single parishioner had a problem with it. They were like, that's the first time I've ever heard anybody say anything like that. And I never understood it. And I was like, well, you know, I might not be absolutely correct, but this is my reading of it. This is what I see. But as soon as this young lady walks up and she says, I've never heard a preacher talk that way, my thought is of a row of porta potties on fire. Like, I hold my breath because I'm like, oh, no. What did I say? <laughs> <laughs> what am I, am I going to have a thousand emails in my inbox because I said that and we broadcast that on on Facebook Live and online and it's going to be online for ever do I need to delete that video you know right what was the what was the reference to uh, pretty much the whole sermon she didn't have a specific statement but we, oh, we okay. were talking about uh, embracing exile we were sort of working our way through us Scott Daniels' uh, thoughts on that from his book *Embracing yeah. Exile*, and we're doing that series, and uh, us too. And so it was just in conjunction with that. I've also been reading Walter Brueggemann, um, and and a lot of Jim Wallace lately. So my mind is in this very uh, social justice concerns of the church, and especially as we're headed into exile, and so just thinking about those kind of things, and you know, I get. I just get revved up and I start talking about I, I don't I don't play the role of company man very well like pretending like the church has been on its best behavior for the last 2000 years. Um and so I said some comments that probably weren't very uh flattering. They were confessional um about the church um and our right. our lack of attentiveness to the the widow, the orphan and the sojourner and our and our willingness to let the government do what we were called to do. 
um, and and then be surprised when the government does it poorly because they're not designed for relationships with people. They're designed for you know systems and efficiency, and efficiency doesn't get the job done. So, just those kind of commentaries. And, yeah. Nothing yeah, I haven't said well, before to you. I was just curious. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. But I always get a little nervous yeah, when somebody uh, says, I've never heard that before. Uh-oh. That is one of the things that I think, um, like you were talking about, memes actually do is they critique a system, um, and they critique a system through humor. And, and some of that's okay. Some of that's, um, you know, Maybe maybe it'd be better just to state it outright, but sometimes we can handle things with a little humor that maybe we couldn't handle without the humor. And sometimes, like I said, it's better to laugh at ourselves um, to understand that, yeah, the church is flawed, and there's definitely some things that we do that don't make a lot of sense sometimes. And, uh, you know, um, but it's that way in life. I mean, that's why there's memes of everything. So I, I think it's interesting but I'm one of those people who always, like, makes a joke, and they're like, I'm just kidding. And people are like, are you really, though? <laughs> are you really? <laughs> are you really just joking? And I feel like You're not joking. Dave Chappelle, you are not really joking. Like, Dave, it's like, yeah, that's... Dave Chappelle. That's not real. Uh, he's, he's a prophet, you know. He's trying to right. make a point. Um, a lot of folks, uh, you know. Even George Carlin, back in the day before he passed, um, you know, he made some interesting points, especially when it came to organized religion and things like that. Uh, sometimes they help us, they hold up a mirror and make us look at ourselves. And whether we like it or not, uh, there's some truth in it and we need to deal with that truth. But Right, yeah. Yeah, well, I just thought that was funny because I had sent you one this week and uh, especially the one about preaching the same sermon that someone else had preached. And <laughs> all of a sudden you're... Your kids loved the camp speaker um, and how great they were and all the great things they said. And you're like, oh, yeah, I've heard that somewhere before. But um, what do you got going on this week? You you got a big week ahead of you? Um, we are we're trying to play a football season. Our high school is, and Jonah is on the team. And so he had an inter-squad scrimmage last night, and he has a first scrimmage with another school um, next Thursday. Judah had a tennis tournament, which tennis is a little bit easier to social distance than football because yeah. you're not touching anybody. You're just hitting a ball back and forth. And so, uh, and you can always walk the opposite side of the court and all those kind of things. And so uh, just watching uh, and, and standing, sitting in the stands with people, it, it's interesting. I would imagine that a return to social experiences with strangers is going to cause a lot of anxiety for a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, it's weird because when you're with people, sometimes your first instinct is to like, Oh, don't shake their hand. <laughs> don't, yeah. you know, stay away. Yes. And, and so yeah. those things that for a long time were, um, were considered loving acts are now sinful somehow. It's yeah. there are no nos, you know, uh, and I, I use the word sinful, and that's kind of a meme in of itself, because, um, you know, what I just said is memeish, if you will, because it's uh, people would say, well, that's not a sin, um, but 
you know, we've never defined sin very well. Um, sin has always been right. against the cultural norms of the very uh, uh, sectarian church that I belong to. Right. <laughs> so, so you know, right. you know, so sin has always been attached to some kind of doctrinal particulars, um, and so we, uh, right. you know, so it's interesting. Uh, and right now, like I saw, I saw this one meme that said the way. Uh, the way uh, Democrats wear a mask, and it showed. It actually, it wasn't a meme; it was a video uh, um, of a man. He he comes out of the store, he gets in his car, he drives all the way home before he takes his mask off, and he's a Democrat. And the the other guy, he so that's what makes you. A that's Democrat? what makes you a Democrat now. And the other guy walked out of the store, and as soon as he hit the open air, he took his mask off. He ripped it off like he was angry. And he said, right. "And this guy's a Republican." And I thought that was interesting. Like, um, this is how polarized we are. This is, yeah, that that you can define somebody's politics by the fact by the way they wear or don't wear or take off their mask. Um, and I don't, I obviously don't subscribe to that belief system. But I just thought it was interesting that this is how everything's a classification. These are the two classifications of Americans: Republicans and Democrats. And I say, no, yeah. bull. That's not no. That's not how we work. That's not how any of us work. But this is. Right. This seems to be. Um, there's a, so, just so much line drawing that, uh, um, and so uh, you know, I don't know if the meme pointed out was trying to, you know, point that out because even in the comments, the guy who posted it was saying, you know, I'm somewhere in the middle of both of these folks, which is such an yeah. interest. Everybody wants to be in the middle. You always have a quote about. Uh, we all see ourselves as moderates. I'm a moderate. Yeah. <laughs> the guy with the machine gun in his hand. I thinks, am a moderate. Yeah. The guy with the machine gun in his hand thinks he's a moderate. Uh, you know. But I this week Paula was at jury duty, and uh, one of the questions they ask potential jurors, I guess, is, uh, "What are the bumper stickers you have on your car?" And I said she should have said. Black Lives Matter and Make America Great Again, just to mess just, with everyone, just to just to jack with everybody, <laughs> just to see what what would happen. Oh, can you in yeah. that room? But I mean, that would have been a lie. And I guess yeah. you know when you're going for jury duty, you're supposed yeah. to tell the truth. I thought about but, putting up a sign. You you you've made my mind go crazy right now because I'm just thinking of a <laughs> Make America Great Again bumper sticker with a with a, a raised fist. You know the Black Lives Matter fist, and it says around it. Yeah, people I would just, freak that, out. That would just blow everybody's what mind. What would people do? Uh, it, it, I don't. Nuts. You would you would cause accidents all oh, over the freeway. There would be fights. They, they would get out of their car to hurt you. Um, it's like, you cannot. You can't do that. Yeah, you can't. You can't put us together. We're not. We're not together. We are. We want to be apart. We don't want to be the United States. We want to be the angry, separated states. Have you watched The Social Dilemma yet? No, I haven't watched The Social Dilemma. You need to watch The Social Dilemma. Yeah. I was th- it, it talks about many facets of social, uh, social media and culture, but the, one, of the, one of the facets is that social media is, we've talked about that on this show, is literally driving a wedge between us. It's pushing us further right and further, further left. left. Because we begin to normalize it. It's it's what it's Russell yeah. Brand's. You ever listen to Russell Brand? He he rants yeah. he rants about 
um, the danger of pornography is that it normalizes things that aren't that aren't uh, going on in every bedroom across America or across the world. Uh, it makes us think that this is how everyone is behaving, even though right. most people aren't behaving that way. And then then we begin to, uh, you know, it changes our expectation of partnership. It changes it changes a lot of things that. Uh, you know, are not fair because the communication isn't happening because it's a pri- you know there's this private practice that then isn't affecting the way that I engage in uh, uh, in public life and in uh, even in uh, you know a not so private uh, affair with with whoever it is that I love and so you know I think that's what social media does is then it makes us think well if I'm not on this side or that side or it paints a picture of this side is winning so do you want to be on the winning side you know or this side is right do you want to be on the wrong side and so yeah there's this normalization of things that most people are conflicted the truth is that most people don't have it figured out and wouldn't you know go to go to blows with anybody because they because they're so vehemently opposed, most people are not nearly as offended as the person posting the right. meme. But if you tend towards one side or the other, it pushes you further that way because it gives you more of what you want. So it it knows your likes and the things you're interested in. Yep. So you keep seeing just those things. So then this is why people say things like, how could those people believe that? Are they crazy? <laughs> Because all you're seeing is one side of an argument. Right. Yeah. So you obviously assume that the other side of the argument, the people on that side must be, they must be completely nuts. insane. When in fact, and they've, just, they've had an entirely different upbringing. They're facing a whole different set of struggles and trials. Um, you know, we are not a homogenous group of people. Yeah. We're, we're not homogenous. We are very diverse. And those sort of things... Even even things, and then they're reading and listening yeah. to different things. Yeah, we're pushing. I'm sorry, we're pushing for diversity, but or we think yeah. we're pushing for diversity, but it turns out we're really pushing for uniformity, and uniformity and yeah. unity couldn't be further apart, right? Well, and both sides are pushing like if you don't believe like us, then we don't care about you. Oh, we will cancel. Yes, you. You, and yeah. so so violence yeah, is the answer. In division, right? When there's division, violence is the answer. And that brings us to exile. Yeah, it does bring <laughs> us to exile. It really does. I, I'm thinking yeah. maybe so, I'm going to start wearing this political uh, tag. like Amish for Homeland Security. Amish there for Homeland go. Security and Jesus is my president. I think maybe I'll just wear these I, around for a day and see how many times somebody tries to punch me in the face. But, and somebody, somebody went on a rant about not wasting your vote and not thinking that Jesus could be your president the other day. And I was like, I don't care what you think. I'm okay with yeah. it. I'm okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm okay bowing to Jesus. Um, and yeah. you know, if I, I have the right to vote even third party if I wanted, sure. and maybe if enough people would just say, we're done with this nonsense. Yeah then then we we would get more choices and more options but right we're not a, either we're way, not voting for who we want to win or who we think should be president we're voting against the person the uh, the person we don't want to be president <laughs> like this is how we yeah. vote now doesn't something seem wrong yeah. with that system like yeah something's definitely give us wrong. a ballot that so, we can get behind give us something that we can yeah. be passionate about you know and instead of 
somewhere where we can just, I'm just trying to make sure that other person doesn't win. And I've, you know, I've been guilty of voting that way before. That's why I'm voting for the church. Well, you know, and I heard somebody the other day, we had a conversation. I'm investing in my local church, in my local community. There you go. I I heard somebody talking the other day and they said, um, you know, well, I'm just going to give my vote away to somebody who can't vote. And I thought that was an interesting, like, give a voice to the voiceless. Give a voice to the voiceless. Um, you know, we have some yeah. we have some pastors here in Texas who uh, are facing, you know, uh, struggles with renewed visas and those sort of things, and they're not allowed to vote, but I wonder what they would have to say. You know, here we here we are they are our brothers and sisters in Christ who live here and who work here, but they don't have a say so in the government. I wonder what it'd be like to ask them. What do you think and then vote their conscience? Um you know that might be an interesting experiment. That might get us all in trouble. I'm, we may have just lost like that would all definitely of our be self-sacrifice. All of our listeners may have been like, "What are you talking about?" No, nope. yeah, you guys are crazy. <laughs> well, it's the same way my wife is when I talk about like um, just you know living under a bridge and stuff like that. Like, I don't know that I really do it, but it might not be a bad thing for a while. Yeah, it, it, I just to learn learn a different side of life. Yeah, I think that. Um, <laughs> I, I, well, it, it helps, right? Like seeing it from the other person's perspective makes a huge right. difference. I think this this series that we're doing on exile is ultimately going to have to teach us, um, if we want to listen to it, is going to teach us that uh, being in exile teaches us how to view those who are in exile, um, right? Yeah. Like there's this, uh, all those folks who had to evacuate for the recent hurricanes along the coast, uh, Lake Charles, Louisiana, and places like that. Um, right. Some of them evacuated to, uh, well, my home, and some of them evacuated to uh, areas in and around my city. Uh, and they, uh, you know, when you we've lived among them, we never experienced, uh, you know, a, a storm that destroyed our house. But we did help a lot of people clean up their house. And so uh, you, I remember having this attitude when, at one point about hurricanes, you know, living in the panhandle, saying, um, why would you live somewhere where there are hurricanes and your house gets destroyed every 10 years or whatever? Why would you live there? Um, and then moving there and hearing their stories about how this was a homestead and how this had, you know, this, this is where my family lived and this is, this is our place. Um, you right. know, and then expecting them to just you know move away from their place and live in some kind of exilic uh, kind of you know quagmire like this is I'm I'm yeah. here but this is like, not my away home. from home. Um, and so you know how can we sing sing the Lord's songs in a foreign land? You know that's a line from a, a, yeah. a Godspell song, but uh, just the understanding right. of. Uh, just the lament that comes with exile. Once you finally hear it and you see these people and they have names and faces, all of a sudden, exiles and people who struggle. Um, you know, if you've if you've had to live as a foreigner in a land that did not accept you, uh, you might better uh, you might better understand the plight of those who are in that situation currently, and you might have more compassion for them. And so I think this is. Yeah. Uh, this is what it's going to yeah. teach us is the social justice involved with those who are displaced, those who are lacking in the resources that life requires, food and housing and clothing uh, and clean water and you know what and community and safety. 
just the things that we all yeah. we all cherish. Um, yeah. And really, that's I mean, what's going to bring us back together is is becoming human to one another again. Yeah. Um, you know, like like seeing each other as human beings, having conversations face to face, even if we have to wear a mask to do it or whatever. You know, like being able to. Um, go see someone and see what they're walking through, visit with people and figure out where they're coming from and maybe why they might believe the things they believe. Um, but, but that was the interesting thing about this and we're, we're way past our, our normal time, but, um, was just how much just the, the kind of rhetoric gets pushed further and further because, um, the, the algorithms are made to keep you looking at things because what they're selling is your time. They're selling your time because that's what advertisers want you on the screen as long as possible. And so if you've looked at it once, they think you'll look at it again. So it keeps pushing you further and further right or further and further left. At some point, society is going to stand up and you can kind of start to see it with movies like this coming out and saying, we're not going to keep doing this. Like, we can't live this way anymore. We can't live this way towards our fellow human beings. I believe that'll happen. It may happen after we all go into exile a little bit, but sure. I believe we'll. Yeah. And I believe that that's, that's where the, you know, you can cast your ballot and I hope you do, but don't expect that to change the world. No, that's going to happen. That's going to happen when is. we love the yeah. Lord our God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength and our neighbor as ourselves. Yeah. That's still yeah. the gospel and that's still well, what we believe. It's, it still works out that way, doesn't it? Does. it? Yeah. Hey, love you, brother. Love you uh, it's been good to talk to you again. We had a lot to say, apparently. apparently. But, uh, <laughs> hopefully people will want to oh, listen well, to it. But know, I, I'll, they may. I'll talk to you again next week. All right. And uh, take care. You too. Take care. We'll see you. All right, bye. All right. Hey, thanks again for listening to Pontificating Pastors. If you like what you're hearing, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or Anchor or any one of the other platforms. We hope you have a great week.